Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. Are we ready for week three? Who holds forgiveness? This is what we're doing. I wonder how many of us came into this study with somebody's name on our head. We hear the word forgiveness and we walk into the room and we think, oh, that person needs to learn forgiveness. (laughs) Am I the only one who hears forgiveness and think of somebody else who has wronged me and they need to get it right? And it's been fascinating to me as the teacher preparing for this week by week how we've yet to talk about a human other than the human that's sitting in our seats. I thought that was very fascinating what God's doing so far in the first few weeks. And we're not going to change that game today. So if you do have a name on your heart that you're really hoping to figure out how to use a tool of forgiveness to better this relationship between you and another human, can you set that name aside? Cover it in prayer. Always pray for that person by name. It helps. I can testify. But let's not focus on another human other than you. And then let's focus on God. That's what we get to do today. We get to focus on God. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we get to call you Father. Just starting in prayer with that alone is just so... I'm awestruck just at who you are, who you have always been and who you will always be. And in your bigness, you call us by name. Lord, my word this week as I've been praying over this study, over the last six weeks I've been praying over this specific study, is just how my mind is just blown by how big you are. I pray, Lord God, that above anything that is spoken today, that that message is laid out on every one of our hearts, laid under each of our feet, that we can stand on your bigness. Lord God, that we'll kneel on that bigness and that we'll proclaim in the privacy of our prayer closet how big you are so that when we step into the world that surrounds us, it spills out of us that our God is big. This world is what it is. Sin is what it is, but our God, Lord, you're so good. And we thank you so much for who you are. I pray right now for us as women inseparable as we get together with scripture. I pray that your scripture will be open, that your word will be spoken, and that we will grow as we are where we are, according to the name of Jesus Christ. And it is in his beautiful name we pray. Amen. Mark 3, if you're following our study guide. Mark 3 is where it's at, and we've been talking about uh, forgiveness. So Mark 1, we found the word forgiveness in John the Baptist proclaiming before Jesus came, John appeared. And our second week, we talked about Jesus offering a miracle. And before he healed the body, he offered the forgiveness of sins in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 3, we see forgiveness And we see forgiveness when it comes to it not being available. And you think, but I thought our God can forgive all sins. 
And we sit here with our sins that we so bravely named last week, and we say, God forgave even that. What do you mean God won't forgive? There is something that God won't forgive. It's listed here in Mark 3. It's that unforgivable sin. Has anybody ever heard that term? Ever had a question about this term? My prayer is that your question gets answered a little bit. Because to answer it fully, I believe we may have to do a full course theological study. There are some things in scripture that cause division. This passage of defining the unforgivable sin is one of them. And I, as teacher of women inseparable, get to talk about such an easy topic. I love when God does that. Stretches me, grows me, brings me to my knees. God is good. Mark 3, since we are, Dandy prayed that we'll touch into Mark 3. Let's answer that prayer. And we're going to read just a little segment, and then we're going to leave Mark 3. Sound good? Mark 3, verse 22. There it is. We are in Mark chapter 3, verse 22. I love, I love the word of God. You can read it and hear it anywhere we are. We're so spoiled, aren't we? It doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing. We literally have the Bible in our purse and our back pocket all day long. We're spoiled. Oh, how beautiful it is. Verse 22. It says, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, and there's a quote of their words, he, he being the name of Jesus, he is possessed by Beelzebul. And in that more quotes, it says, by the prince of demons, he, he being Jesus, casts out the demons. What a disgusting word to come out of the mouth of a human created by God. Verse 23, it says, And he called them to him and said to them in parables, and in quote, Jesus, God in the flesh, says these words. He says, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand, says our Jesus. In verse 25, Jesus continues and he says, And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And I pray we think deeper than the house in which we reside. I pray we think deeper than the house of the family of God. I pray that we think deeper of what house God is speaking of here. Verse 26, it says, And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Verse 27, he says, but no one can enter a strong man's house. No one can plunder a strong man's goods unless he first binds the strong man, period. Then indeed, he may plunder his house. And this is where we see the word forgiven and forgiveness in Mark 3. It says in verse 28, truly, I say to you, truly, hear what I'm saying. He says, truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, comma. And he says, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit Never. What a powerful, heartbreaking word. 
But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. And then he repeats it. Verse 30 takes us back to verse 22. He says, the reason he spoke all these words, the reason he threw out this parable was for this reason, because they, the scribes, were saying, end quote, he has an unclean spirit. There are so many of us that hear the unforgivable sin, and we look at ourselves in the mirror, and we have that question. Have I committed that unforgivable sin? Am I the only person that has wondered that? It causes fear in our hearts. As a daughter of the king, saved by the blood and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we sit here and we hear these words and we wonder, in the hand of God, we wonder, have I committed that unforgivable sin? Think of the oxymoron mentality of that. You are forgiven. You are saved by the blood. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You are forgiven. Do you hear those words? Your sins are are forgiven. They were nailed to the cross on the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were buried in the tomb. They were conquered and shut up. You are forgiven of your sins. So that put a smile on your heart. Sin is gross. It's exhausting. It's overwhelming, but it's done. For those of us that attend Eagle Christian Church here in the Treasure Valley, our pastor preached on Sunday, preached about sin. And he said a line and he said this. He says, you've sinned enough. It's time to move on. Mm -hmm. That was good. That was really good. Every human can say that. Yes, pastor said on Sunday in Eagle Christian Church, he says, we have sinned enough. It's time to move on. Get bigger than it. Get bigger than it. That's good. That's a good conclusion to our study from last week. This week, however, the unforgivable sin. To get to the foundation of this, and there's theories, and I don't want to go into theories, and I pray that if you have a theory crossing your head to see if you can check mark to see if you're on the right side of theology, or if I'm on the right side of your theology, sometimes we think that way. If we can set that aside and look at scripture, and see exactly the foundation, the heart of where this unforgivable sin comes from. Sound good? Genesis. Let's go to the book of Genesis. That's not Mark. It's not Mark. We're going to go to Genesis. A question I've been asking personally in my study a lot lately. My son pointed this out last night to me. He says, every week we're talking about this study and every time you're asking, when was the first time this was seen? When was the first time this was seen? It's a new question for me and I'm overwhelmed by it. When is the first time this was seen? When was the first time the spirit of God was seen in scripture? This was my specific question because those who blaspheme against the spirit of God are never forgiven. You can say what you will, Jesus says, you can say what you will about me that will be forgiven. Paul Paul is proof of that. Paul spoke terribly about Jesus. Paul caused others to speak terribly about Jesus. And Paul was forgiven. You see this all in the book of Acts. You see it referenced in his letter to Timothy. Paul was forgiven for the blasphemy in which he spoke about Jesus. And then Jesus himself says, whatever you say, it'll be forgiven. Whatever you say about the Holy Spirit, 
will never be forgiven. And it'll be what it is titled an eternal sin on you. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says these words, and these are brand new words to our ears. It says, in the beginning. I wonder how many of us are thinking about John chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, comma, God created the heavens and God created the earth. It's a summary of what this entire book, what our entire life, that's our summary of our history right there. In the beginning, implying that God was, God was. You lay in bed and I did, I, you lay in bed and you think about God being. And you think at the beginning of God. And it doesn't say the beginning of God is at this point. He says in the beginning, God, who already was. God already was. That's our God. He's always been. You say, I've heard this so many times, but do you live it? Do you believe it? Do you think about it? Do you dwell upon it? Does it affect your words when you speak to people? Does it direct your feet when you move places? Does it affect your hands when you serve? God. Why do I get to do what I get to do? I don't know. That's how big our God is. Why do I get to serve my God? I don't know. That's how big our God is. Our God chooses us in our sin to send his son for our salvation. And in our humanity, God says, I choose you to proclaim my name. In the beginning, God. And what did God do? The very first thing it says he did is he created God created. And sometimes we think, we look at this verse and we think, God created the heavens and God created the earth. It's amazing. Where did he come up with this idea of creating heaven and creating earth? Perhaps, maybe, God created something before he created this. And I present this thought. There is a heavenly host, is there not? We read through Revelation, we read about that heavenly host. When were the angels created? Furthermore, when was Lucifer created? These are thoughts I've been thinking the last few days. I got to read this verse with two little children in a brand new children's class yesterday. And I'm reading this verse out loud with these two little children, and it hit me. I wanted to get into, I wanted to get into this study with those poor little children. <laughs> and instead, we talked about how God created frogs. And it's fun to put frogs in pockets and toss them at our mothers. That's where our discussion went with children. Here's my question for you as adults. When did Lucifer come into creation? God is a God of creativity. He's still creating. Those of us who are part of Women Inseparable, this whole ministry was literally created by God. And those of us that are part of the team, we simply show up. I can testify. This is not us. This word, this book that we hold was literally created by our God. Wrap your head around how this book was written. How we get to hold it. How we get to store it in our purse and silence it during church. God created this book. God created each and every one of us. God created 
our Bible studies that we get to do. God is a God of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there were a host that witnessed this. That's amazing. That's amazing thought process. And what those angels look like is a whole nother mind blowing. We have our vision of cartoon angels and of drawings. But the truth is you read through Ezekiel, what those angels look like, it will blow your mind. Angels don't necessarily look like the one that sits on our shoulder next to the devil that looks on our shoulder. There's a whole realm of creativity in the heavenly host. Here's Jesus on earth. He does a miracle. And the men in which he created says to him, the creator, what you did, you did in the power of Satan. And I wonder if at that moment, Jesus went back to this memory. That in the beginning, God created. I am the God of creation. I created you, man, and I created Satan. I wonder if he pondered that. And if that right there is where the unforgivable sin sits. Because at one point in Lucifer's mind, as he is living in glory. He's living the existence that we think about every day, do we not? Every day, long for that day that Jesus is coming again, long for that day that we get to see what those streets of gold look like, what they feel like under our feet. One day, we sing our songs, we sit in tears, we dream about that day that we get to behold You get to behold our Savior face to face. This was Lucifer's existence. This is what he was created to do, was to live there, to embrace that, to worship God always. And then something happened. We see this in Isaiah 14. We are not going to read that today, but if you want a personal challenge, Isaiah 14. Lucifer has this thought, and he lets the thought linger, and he grows. And we've talked about how he's the father of lies, is he not? I wonder what lie he said to himself so much that he believed it. And he believed the lie that he said to himself so much that he stood on it. And he believed the lie that he spoke to himself so much that he was brave enough to say it to another member of the heavenly host. That's bold. That's bold. We see crazy things happen in church families where one person has a thought about worship. That's not my favorite kind of worship. And we say this statement to ourselves over and over and over and over until we're bold enough to speak it to another human and cause them to doubt the worship that has taken place in the house of God. That's not okay. And that's a side point. Lucifer believed a lie so desperately that he was brave enough to voice it with determination to another creation of God. And what's worse is that creation of God, the member of the heavenly host, listened. He truly is the father of lies. He lied so desperately and so believably that a whole section of the heavenly host, wrap your head around that, of the heavenly host followed him. And you think, oh, Satan. 
He won't mess with me. I'm strong today. I got my sword today. Mm. Lies are awful. Satan is the father of lies, and it's demonstrated in Isaiah 14. And it's seen so desperately, and it's felt so fully in our world today. He can speak a lie that can cause somebody that is a member of the heavenly host of the very army of God, and that creation believed Lucifer to the point, to the point that when God cast Satan out, because a house that cannot stand will fall. When God cast Satan out, his army that believed his lies went with him. They gave up their place as a worshiper of God Almighty to be a worshiper and a follower of Lucifer. Wrap your head around that this week. Where does the unforgivable sin come from, that eternal sin? I believe it was born right there. That this group of creation told God, you don't sit on the throne. God still sat on the throne. God always sits on the throne. God will always sit on the throne. Whether you believe it or not, whether I believe it or not, whether Lucifer believes it or not, whether the world in which we live believes it or not, the truth is the truth and the truth is this. God is on the throne. Amen. He is eternal. He is always and forever. He is our God. Does that blow your mind? Hey, this week, that's been my, 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 my mind is just blown. You're not supposed to repeat words. My editor tells me this all the time. Don't repeat words. I get my notes back from her. Same word, same word, same word. I can't get over the mind blown. This has been my word on my knees before my God over these last six weeks, praying over this, this lesson. For us today, what do we do about that? What do we do about that? There are things that are brought up in Scripture that can point us to connecting it to the unforgivable sin. There's references to not looking back. Lot's wife, those who put their hand to the plow and look back, references. And there are those that say, if you look back, that's the unforgivable sin. Anybody else have a story of somebody that they know that knew Jesus and walked away and fell in love with Jesus and God forgives? I just finished Second Chronicles. I've got two chapters left this morning. I've been in Second Chronicles the last few weeks. And the stories of the kings that did good in the eyes of the Lord and then did awful things, awful things, sacrificing their children on the altars of evil and then would be bound in chains. I just read this at the end of Second Chronicles. Let's call it. I don't, I don't know, I don't want to give the wrong chapter, 33-ish, 32. They were brought, this one particular king was taken away in chains after like 50 years of evil doing, 50 years of evil doing. And as my head was judging Manasseh the king at this time, this morning, this is my conversation with God, this morning, I'm judging this king for 
50 years of doing evil and asking God, why did you give him 50 years? Why don't you just wipe him out from the beginning? So glad I'm not God, aren't you? <laughs> he was bound in chains and taken away. And in his, his chains, he cried out to God and his cry out to God touched the heart of God. Oh, how God forgives our sins. So much so that he freed this king, took him back to his position as king, and the king did good in the eyes of his God. And at that point, he knew that the Lord was God. God is the forgiver of sins. He's the forgiver of sins. It does not matter. It does not matter. God is the forgiver of sins. The eternal sin that is not forgiven is what Lucifer did. Has his sin been forgiven? Has it? No. Think about that. Count those days, those years, those decades, those centuries, the time in which his sin has yet to be forgiven. Think of the heavenly host, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I cannot think of one passage in the word of God that declares that one of those angels that left the glory of heaven to believe the lies spoken by Satan. I don't know one story in my mind from scripture that an angel said, I made the wrong choice and asked for forgiveness. Is there a passage in scripture that declares it's the eternal sin? This eternal sin, this unforgivable sin is that heart that says you are not on the throne, O oh God. He is. Satan is. That's frightening. But you know how big our God is? I can tell you stories of people that claim the religion of atheism. God who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ today. That's how big our God is. Who holds forgiveness but God alone? For those of us that are today, that are feeling free from the burden of, did I commit the unforgivable sin? The answer is no. Unless you're standing up declaring loudly, Lucifer is on my throne of worship. Doesn't that hurt? It hurts my tongue. God is the forgiver of sins. What we need to do as believers in the big God in which we serve is make that known today. What's our role? What do we do with this? What do we do with this? First, we worship God. But of all things, and again, going back to Second Chronicles, it is absolutely amazing the battles that are won simply because of worship. Amazing. Scan through this book. Scan through Second Chronicles and look up worship. There is power. There is power in worship. There is power in worship. Worship God. What do I do with this information from Mark 3? What do I do with the fact that in the beginning God created and his very own creation looked at him and said, you are not God? What do you do with this information? One, 
worship. Worship God today. Whether you worship God with music, worship God with service, worship God with words, worship God in silence, worship God in fasting, worship God in your person as you are where you are, worship, worship God. And don't stop worshiping God. Where do I begin? Right here. God, you're good. But I want a better adjective than good. I struggle with that. I love adjectives. I love adjectives. <laughs> love. I'm a, I'm a dork about adjectives. And I always want like a bigger adjective. God repeats the word, Miss Editor. God repeats the word good over and over and over and over in this chapter. He makes things. He breathes things into existence. He gives life to man and he calls it good. You don't know where to start with your worship with God. Stay where you are, even in your heart right now. Oh, you are, you are good. It's a good place to start. And if you don't know Jesus as your savior, that is the very, very best place to start. Receive Jesus as your savior today. Put your faith and your trust in the resurrection of his eternal son. Worship God. Two, pray for the world that we live in. Can I give a charge? We live in a world that is full of evil. And it's not the first society that's been full of evil. I think our society is a little shocked by the evil. And we're like, oh, it's never been seen before. Okay, again, read Second Chronicles. <laughs> evil has existed since Adam and Eve's son was born. Correction, evil existed when Satan came to ruin the very creation that God created on earth. Satan hates God's creation. He hates God's creation. And he will do anything to ruin God's creation. And he's doing that today, and we see that today. And it's so easy to sit here and go, oh, they said what? They're doing what? They're having a parade? What? And we are torn up, torn up. But one thing that hit me, and I'm going to go back to Steve, Steve Crane's message on Sunday. He was talking about our view of sinners. And typically you hear, you know, our view of sinners need to be changed. And we think, hate the sin, love the sinners. It's not what Steve said. While preaching on Sunday, and on Saturday, I go on Sunday, Steve said that they're victims of the enemy. That's an interesting viewpoint. I don't know what city we all live in. We've got people, nation, coast to coast. We've got people from around the world that listen to our podcast. I don't know what city you live on, but if a parade of evil comes to your city, can we pray for those that are victimized by the enemy and not throw stones of judgment of those that are proclaiming words? Because there's a possibility that the words that are being proclaimed are done out of habit and training, and they don't know the depths of what they're saying. And they have not committed. This is the powerful thing of our God. They have not committed the eternal sin yet. Their sins are forgiven. May we pray for the souls of salvation. Pray for the salvation of that person that is unsaved in your home. I don't know who in this room has somebody in their home that's unsaved. 
but I have a feeling that there's somebody in this house that has an unsaved family member in their home. Can we pray for their salvation today? I don't know if any of you live in a neighborhood where you have a neighbor that does not know Jesus as their Savior. That's a possibility. Can you pray today, tomorrow, the next day for the soul of the salvation of that neighbor that might be unsaved? But that neighbor drives me crazy. Seed of evil. It's annoying. Don't judge them. Pray for them by name. See what happens. You think of your city. Oh, how we'd love our cities. My birth city is Vegas. A little bit of evil. (laughs) There's victims of the enemy sprinkled throughout our cities. But the light has come and the darkness has not overtaken the light. Oh, that we pray. Pray for the soul. Pray for the soul. Pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, this very moment, I pray for the family member that's associated with one of our women, of women inseparable. I pray for the salvation of that unsaved husband right now. Father God, there is a child whose name is so pressed on our heart that does not know you as our Lord and Savior. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that their eyes will be open to how big our God is. Heavenly Father, I pray salvation for that child right now. Father God, I think of that grandbaby. That grandbaby may be in his adult years or in her teen years or newborn, but that grandchild's name is so pressed so desperately on that grandmother's heart. Lord, you hear the names being expressed right now that are being laid at your throne, Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray salvation upon that grandchild right now. Father God, we can go through from sister to brother to niece to nephew to uncle and aunt, we can go to our friend circle, our co-workers. We can go to our neighbors. We can go to our government officials. We can go to the woman that is listening to this podcast right now that does not know you as a Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, we pray for the salvation of the soul of your creation. Oh, Father God, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. We thank you that he was buried. We thank you that he conquered our sin, that he conquered the grave. We thank you that he conquered death and that he is alive today and is alive forevermore. God, you are so big and you are so good. All these things, all these names we lay at your feet. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.